good morning. How's everybody doing? You guys ready to go? Awesome, awesome. So turn to Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Mark chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 14. We are, last week we actually embarked on a new teaching series called Marked. Everybody say Marked with me. Yes, uh, if you are a Jesus follower, I believe with all my heart, that you, your life is different. You're not the same person, okay? You have been eternally marked, uh, like, like getting a tattoo, like you have been permanently marked by His grace. We're going to talk about grace today. We're going to talk about His love and His forgiveness. And um, you have, God gives you a new mind. He gives you a new perspective on things. And uh, we're going to be looking in Mark a little bit about what this is all about, this new perspective that the gospel teaches us. So just to kind of give you a heads up, as we're looking at the gospel of Mark, actually the series is based on the gospel of Mark. We're going to look at selected passages of scripture from the gospel of, the gospel of Mark. One of the things that we're doing is we're asking this question, what does it look like to be a Jesus follower? I want, you to, I want you to just take a moment and just really think that through because I don't think that the way that Mark wrote this gospel is at all what it looks like for us today, what Christianity looks like for us today. And so we know that there are four gospels. The one that Mark writes is the first one. So he's like, right off the bat, he's one of the first ones who said, you know what, I cannot contain this. I have, to, I have to put it in writing. I have to let others know. And so he writes to the Romans, the Roman believers. And um, here's what I want to encourage you to do. We're going to probably spend four or five weeks on the Gospel of Mark, on this, this series called Marked. And I want you, don't take my word for it. I want you to read the gospel on your own. Pick a translation. If you're on your car, you can just turn on the Bible app and it'll read it for you. Uh, I mean, there's just so many different ways in which we can just listen to it. My, my hope is that by the end of the four or five weeks, I'll be learning more from you than, than I'm actually teaching you from the gospel of Mark. I, I, I would love to, for you guys to send me a text Send me a, 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 you know, a thought that God's given you as you read, as we embark on this journey. I hope that we can both, this can be a, not just a one-way street. I think that we can both learn from each other. And so Mark decides that he's going he's gonna to write about Jesus. And that's what, you know, I was doing this last week. I was just listening through the whole thing. And it's all Jesus. Like very few editorial comments. It's all, it's Jesus on the move. It's Jesus in action. He writes uh, more miracles that Jesus performed than anybody else and any of the other, other gospel writers. And so you see that Jesus is loved. He's hated. He's respected. He's dismissed. People followed him. People unfollowed him. But it's all about Jesus. Okay, so here's the, the takeaway from last week. Here's the, our main point. Just in case you, you are not here, you're just stepping in. Um, this was the main thought that we, we anchor ourselves to last week. Let's put it on the screen. It says this. God has never been about the religious institution. So we looked at that last week. Now, kind of a weird statement for me to mention to you because, okay, you know, you're the pastor of the church. You're leading a religious institution. How could that be? Well, 
When you read scripture, when you read the gospel of Mark, you will find out that Jesus, God, has never been about the religious institutions. And I actually took it a little bit further than that, and I said he's never been about the powerful or the well-resourced. So we looked at that last week. We said there was this movement that gets started. Uh, We call it Christianity nowadays. Back then, they didn't even have a name for it. And this movement, it started, and it's, it's away from the, from the religious system of the day, the, away from Jerusalem, away from the temple, away from a system that Jesus believed had to be condemned, had to be, uh, it, it was corrupt, it was bad. And God raises up a man. Does anybody remember who it was, the man that he raised up? We talked about him last week. Before the Messiah come, who's the one that gets everything ready for the Messiah? What's his name? Help me out. John the Baptist. So he raises up this guy, John the Baptist, and he's kind of a weird guy. We talked about him a little bit last week. And totally away from, like he was not raised up in this religious system of its day. Away from, he raises him up away, away or outside, I should say, of the Detonin externalism, the Pharisees, where it was all about looks. It was all about external behavior. And so God raises someone who's outside of the spiritual pride of its day. And there are hundreds of people coming to see John, coming to hear him preach. Hundreds, I would even say, I would even dare say thousands of people. There's a movement that gets started. Organically, these people are just flocking to to John. And I want you to see today why, like the why behind it. Why does a movement actually, like it just goes viral. So let's go ahead and begin in verse 14, okay? They're coming to see John. He's preaching to them. They're seeing him. He is actually the one that baptizes Jesus. And then we get to verse 14, chapter 1. This is what Mark is writing, okay? This guy had, like, he was, he was up close and personal to the action. So this is not someone that, like, he's not writing this, like, 2,000 years later, okay? Like, he's writing this, like, like he, he knows people that know Jesus, like, up close and personal. And I want you to see how he, what he tells us about the movement. Verse 14. It says, it's later on, after John was arrested... Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. Now, before we fly through this verse, I want you to put yourself in John's position for a minute. Because John was a good guy, okay? So the question could be, man, why is he like in jail, right? Like he was doing a good thing. He was preaching the gospel. He baptized Jesus. God raised him up. I mean, like everything should be like, things should be lining up for him, but it doesn't look like like anything's lining up. And if you're like me, you probably may, you may ask the question, man, like, Lauren, why did you let this happen? He was preaching the word, he was being obedient, baptized Jesus, hundreds were coming to him, he influenced them, he, he cared for them, he, he, he loved them. Why would you let such a thing happen to John? I mean, I think he's a good guy. Why, why would that happen? And if you don't know the story, like later on, chapter six, he actually, you know what happens to him? He gets beheaded. And so, to me, I got to this portion. I'm like, okay. It's, a, it's the question we all ask, especially if you're going through a difficult season of your life. Like, Lord, like, I go to church. I, you know, I put you first in my finances. You know, I'm a good person. I'm not perfect. I know I get that. But why, 
Why did I have to go through that? Why do I have to go through the pain of a divorce? Why do I have to go through the pain of finances or health? Why did I lose him? Why did I lose? And if, if you're a human being, right, going through a normal or a struggle of any kind, more than likely you'll ask the question, Lord, why? Like it's a typical question we ask, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, I got to this verse and I'm thinking, okay, I don't quite know why bad things happen to good people, but Mark, you could, have, you could have spent a little bit more time giving us a little bit more insight on John, all right? Like, the guy was a good man. Like, Mark, what, what were you thinking about when you were writing this? I mean, look at it. Look at verse, verse same verse. Later on, after John was arrested, and he just, he just moves on. Like, it's almost like John is, a, is an afterthought. Like, it really doesn't really matter. The guy, hundreds and thousands of people are, I mean, he is, this is not just any average Joe. This is, this is a guy that prepares the way for the Messiah. He's arrested, and Mark doesn't, doesn't think that it's important to write a little bit more about him. So I have an issue with Mark. I hopefully one day I'll, I'll see him in heaven, and I'll be like, hey, what's up with that? You should have said something more about John, you know? I have an idea why. He doesn't say anything more about John. We'll look at that here in a little bit. But I have a statement this morning that I want to put in front of you. And it may shock you a little bit. You may not agree with the statement. I want to put it out there. And I want you just, if you give me just a chance, I really believe that we're going to, I hope that we come to the same conclusion. If we don't, that's okay. You don't have to believe what I believe for us to love you. You know, you know that what I always say at church. You know, if you're not a Jesus follower, it's okay. If you ask questions, it's fine. We're cool with that. We like questions. We don't have all the answers. We just simply do. We just simply believe that Jesus is the way. Uh, but we'll love you no matter what. And um, but watch what. Just listen to this statement that I want to put in front of you as we get start it here's what i wrote on my notes jesus did not come to make my life work now i know that that's what's preached out there i know you go to most churches 90 percent of the churches in our community in dallas you know mega churches you know it's all about you know what jesus can do for you but i dare say as we get into this this study today that Jesus, the Messiah, did not come to make your life work. Now, can we say that? Can we read that together? Let's read it together. Whether you believe it or not, just play along with me. Let's just say it together. Jesus did not come to make my life work. I believe that there is a little bit of a threat. Maybe it's bigger than I think to Christianity. I don't think it, it's out, it doesn't come from outside the walls of the church. Or I, don't think it, I think it's from within. I don't think it's the enemy either. I think it's a version of Christianity around us that doesn't look like the Christianity that Mark is writing about. I believe, and, and you know, I've been in Texas. Um, we moved here three years ago, so I've experienced the culture a little bit more. And I believe that there is a threat, that there is a, a version of Christianity that is around us that does not look at all like, the, like what Mark is writing about, like the movement that gets started, that Jesus 
get started today. It's, it's, what I call, it's what I call the Alexa version of Christianity. Anybody knows what an Alexa is? Raise your hand if you know what an I love Alexa, all right? My wife calls her Amazon, but it's okay. It's all good. I said, honey, her name is not Amazon. Her name is Alexa. So she got this um, Alexa, I don't know, three, four years ago. I don't even remember how long ago. It was a while back. She got it for free. At the time, it was a couple hundred dollars. And I was like, whoa, I'm a techie kind of guy. I'm a kind of geeky. I get into all of that stuff. And you can do all kinds of things with Alexa. But when we moved to Lindale, our internet was horrible. Like, our internet was so bad. And I didn't know it at the time. And it was just like, oh, no. We were used to having, like, fast internet, like, in Florida and North Carolina. I mean, we had cut cable and everything. But now we just, like, we, we just had, you know, just, we, we started with satellite. And that didn't work. I mean, we ended up spending a ton of money canceling. Moved on to, like, hotspots. And that was better. But it was still very limited you could only use so many megabytes and so recently they've put down fiber optics in our community and like i am like we went from like three megabytes per second to like a thousand i got the fastest thing that suddenly could provide i got the fastest internet and so now i'm like yes we're gonna be able to use alexa well in the last few weeks i've been busy i've you know, with Alexa, we can control our lights. We can, with Alexa, we can control our thermostat. We can now control our kids. No, no, I'm just joking. Not, not, we can't do that just yet. Hopefully, you, we can learn from you on how to do that. But we can, seriously, we can control our fan. What else? The TV. I can just say, I can just say, Alexa, we're watching a movie. And lay on my couch, and Alexa does all the work. Alexa will turn the TV on, get the, the TV setting for, for movies. It'll turn the temperature down to the right temperature, turn the fan on, turn the lights down. I mean, I'm loving, like, Alexa and I are like this, you know? I'm loving Alexa. But here's, here's my point this morning. I'm afraid that if we're not careful, Christianity can turn into the Alexa type of relationship that we have with God. And if we're not careful, and you won't hear this, but if we're not careful, we'll end up thinking that everything that God, like God's ultimate purpose is to meet our every need. And so if you feel unfulfilled, if you feel... Um, like man things are just not working for you if you feel uh, unsuccessful unattractive oh come to Christ you know you will find all of your needs in him he'll provide there is a version of God there is a version of Christianity there is a version that is very it's so I see it here and I love Texas I love East Texas we love this place. We love this church. We're having the, these are the best day of our lives. I, my wife and I were just talking about this the other day. But there is a version of Christianity in this area that I'm afraid it's not at all like what Mark had in mind when he was writing, when he was telling us, he was telling the Romans specifically about the movement that had just gotten started Look at, look at the, the, I want you to follow the story with me so you get the point I'm trying to make this morning. Verse 16, it says this. So follow along. John was arrested. The movement is taking off. Jesus is preaching. He's recruiting his team, okay? So look in verse 16, all right? Don't miss this, okay? Watch this. So one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw Simon, this is Peter, 
and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living okay makes sense Jesus called out to them come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people so that's kind of a little bit weird okay I don't know what that means I mean if I would have been there then it's like okay let's fish for people I don't know what that means but I want to focus on the next verse because the next verse is actually what intrigues me it says and they left their nets at what help me out at once some translations say immediately and they followed him I mean what in the world were they thinking about they had seen what had happened to John I mean I don't know that anybody could be any greater than John at this time I mean like the guy is preparing the way for the Messiah people are coming to him he actually gets to baptize Jesus the savior of the world the hope of humanity and now he ends up in jail and Jesus just goes recruiting his people and at once immediately they drop everything and so the question in my mind is like what's in it for them like why are they what motivated them what motivated them to follow Jesus like let's keep reading verse 19 watch this a little further up the shore Jesus saw Zebedee's sons James and John in a boat repairing their nets okay makes sense he Jesus called them at what at once now notice that Marcus he's he doesn't care to tell us about John but he cares to tell us some details here he says at once called them at once and they also followed him leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired hand now I find it so interesting that he gives us insight and I think that he must have thought this is important for you and I to know he tells us he doesn't tell us about a whole lot of detail about John but he tells us these guys whatever was happening like they wanted to join this movement and these were not like religious people or anything like that okay these are not like the Pharisees that study that you know they like to study scripture no no these are fishermen Jesus comes follow me I'm gonna make you fish they don't even have a clue what he's talking about they drop their nets in the case of James and John what they do their dad was still on the boat I mean the people that they were still and they're like yep we're gonna leave it all behind we're gonna join the movement now I want you to just for a moment I want you to reflect with me and I want you to examine these verses and ask the question why did Mark why is Mark telling us a story this way like we have no idea about the disciples like what was going on in their mind like we don't know about the conversations you know we don't know about the goodbyes to their spouses to their parents friends we don't know he doesn't spend any time telling us about the internal debate that must have been going on in their hearts I mean what what if somebody comes to you that you don't even know and they tell you okay let's go and you're like go where well I'm gonna make you fishermen I'm like what does that mean and then you have to drop your your family your careers your future plans you just everything and so I'm just curious why is it that Mark doesn't allow us to know a little bit like I would have thought that I mean like he's so careful in telling the story but he's telling it in a different way and I think there is a I think that there is a lesson that we can learn from what was not written and I want you to follow it along with me he's not writing about Jesus followers he's writing about the Messiah 
he's writing about the one, the hope of the world, the one, his authority, his plan, all of that. And the reason that, the way he writes it, is the way you tell the story is because at the very core, that's what it means to be a disciple. That's what it means to be a Jesus follower. Life, this life here on earth, is not about you. It's not about me. That's why I put that statement on the, on the, on the, on the screen. Jesus did not come to make my life work. And Mark is willing to frustrate us, the readers, enough to leave us with all of those questions, unanswered questions, so that we don't get distracted and he keeps the main thing the main thing. You, if you read the whole thing, you will see that nowhere in Jesus says, follow me and I'll heal your herds. He hurt, I mean, he healed people's herds, but Jesus doesn't say that and Mark doesn't write that. Nowhere in the scripture does it say, follow me and you will be wealthy. Or you will get this at the end of the day. At the end of your life, you will get some crowns. No, 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 no. Like he doesn't say, he, he, Jesus just says, come follow me. No promise of you will end up in heaven. No promise of you, man, your life will be better. No promise, like nothing. Jesus does not ever say, follow me and your life will be easy. In fact, if you put yourself in their place, they had the exact opposite example because they saw a faithful man be arrested. And the question I have today for you and for me is why? Why, why join the movement? Nobody made them. Why join Jesus? Why follow? Why? I mean, what caused them to leave everything immediately at once and join the, the cause of Christ? And it's, it's this. This is what I wrote down. They were, they were able to capture, they were able to see something they had never seen before. They, know, and they didn't see it in the temple. They didn't see it in the, with the religious leaders. They didn't see it in like the way they learned the scripture. They were able to see grace in a new way, in a, in a, in a just a special, they were able to experience the irresistible, the powerful, just the beauty of grace. And, and we're not gonna, we don't have time to read everything, all the examples, but if you were to keep reading, what you see is that Jesus is healing people. Jesus is talking to sinners and prostitutes. You, what you'll see is that Jesus is out there with the community. Jesus is healing, like in verses 29 through 31, like Peter, his mother-in-law was sick. He comes to her, he touches her, he heals her. And what you'll see is that there's a huge crowd of people from morning until sundown, like people by the hundreds lining up they want to be a part of what Jesus is doing. They don't know everything, but they're, they're saying this, there's something different. There's something we have never experienced before. And this morning, I just want to show you one of those examples. Look in verse 40. Verse 40. I want you to see how they experience this irresistible grace. It says this. So they're traveling, they're going from town to town, they're doing their thing. This, was, this is only just a little glimpse, okay? This is the tip of the iceberg. You're not seeing the whole thing. This is just, just a little something. If you want to get more, I encourage you, read the gospel on your own. So just a quick story. It says this, a man with leprosy 
That's a big deal, by the way, okay? Like in that day and age, leprosy, contagious, it was a skin disease. You would lose your, I mean, it was horrible. Very, I don't want to get too graphic, but I mean, real people who had um, really, real bad leprosy, like they would lose um, their, like their nose, they lose, I mean, it was just horrible, okay? So this man comes to Jesus. It says, a man with leprosy, very contagious disease, by the way, came and knelt down in front of Jesus. Now, let me kind of stop there for a second. So any other year, it would have been different, but because of COVID, I think we understand how things are in our day, right? Like I had a friend who had COVID, and like, um, you know, that's not, I mean, I've had several, not here in Florida, and just like, that's not, like, man, this, it was, it was a, a big deal, okay? Now, if you had leprosy in that day and age, people would literally grab rocks and throw them at you. Talk about keep, you know, practicing social distancing. Back day, you could not enter the city. You had to be outside the city limits. You had to yell, unclean, unclean, because um, they did not want people to come close. And so this is, put yourself in this man's position, Okay. The shame, the emotional stress, not being able to work, not being able to provide for your family. Like this was not, like this was, it was against the law to, to come in and be in a gathering with other people. So we understand a little bit because of COVID, we kind of understand like our world has been changed. It's different, you know, we've gone through it. This guy has the guts to get in front of Jesus. All of the religious leaders are going like, this, you're insane, like we get, you know, you're, you're talking to all the sinners and this and that, but this man has leprosy. Can you imagine the talk of the town? Can you imagine what the Sadducees and, the, and all of those, the religious leaders, all of the gossip, all of what was going on, like there's proof, you know, like this is going to, you know, everybody's going to get sick. So this man comes and he kneels in front of Jesus and he, he's begging him, Jesus, he says, if you're willing if you're willing, you can heal me. You can make me clean. No other religious leader in this time would have been, would have dared get close to this man. He would have, in that day, like what should have happened to this person is he should have been stoned, like people should have thrown stones at him because that's how big of a deal leprosy was in this, in this, this time. But watch the next verse, 41, says that Jesus moved with what? Help me out. Moved the Savior of the world. The guy is like basically on him. It says Jesus moved with compassion. I love the heart of our Savior. I, 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 that's the heart that we should have. When was the last time that you were moved with compassion for someone else? When you were like, man, this hurts me like I have tears because of their tears. That's what this is. This is the reason why people are coming out of the woodworks, coming to Jesus and saying, you know what? We want to be a part of that. Jesus is not concerned about getting leprosy. He's not concerned about what's going to happen to him. He's moved with this man's condition to the core and that's the heart and that's the love that our Savior has for us let's keep reading it says moved with compassion reached, he, Jesus reached out and touched him everybody goes oh. 
that point, they're like, what did you just do? He says, I'm willing. Be healed. Totally countercultural. Totally against what the law said. What the religious people would have told him to do. Jesus' ways were different. That's where the disciples just dropped their nets. We're going to follow this guy. Because we want to be a part of something that's greater than us. And the beauty of this, I mean, who would not join a movement where there's so much significance? I mean, you talk about your life, like making, your, making sure your life matters. This is it. I mean, this is on an emotional level. This is on a physical level, spiritual level. These guys are like, we want to be a part of that. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Now, here's the coolest part of the, the passage that I want to leave with you. The cool part in this chapter, as Mark is writing it down, as he's recording it, in this remarkable moment is when we see Jesus, the Savior, he begins to entrust his mission to his people. And here, here's a cool thing that I, I see in this passage. The people who needed the most grace... Because Jesus is recruiting some people that needed some grace, okay? Like the disciples, there were some screw-ups. Like they, they, they not, like these people, they were not like the Pharisees who had it all together. They were kind of like John, a little weird, a little <laughs> rough around the edges, let me just put it that way. They were fishermen, you know, they were like, you know, they were, they, they were not about what looks, they were not about none of that. I mean, you look at Matthew, the tax collector. Tax collectors, they were known as thieves. And so Jesus is recruiting people who they themselves need the most grace, more than anybody else. And somehow it is here that he, Jesus begins, as Mark records it, to use the people that needed grace the most. Those are the ones that are going to end up the tools of transforming grace. Think about it. God calls people who are still in need of redemption. Matthew, I've got to go to your house. He's going after the, the fishermen, the disciples. I'm coming to you. You're, I'm going to make you a fisher, a fisher of men. You're going, to, you're, going, you're going to see how this movement begins. 2,000 years later, they're going to be talking about you. And God, Jesus, calls people who are in steel of redemption to be tools of redemption. And, and so the wonder of the mission the wonder of the mission is that God uses broken people to be instruments of healing. You hear me say? If in your heart, in your mind, you feel like, man, I am broken. You know, I've gone through some things. And if people would know, if Pastor Alex would know what I deal with and the junk that I deal with in my mind and my emotions and my heart if people would know like man I, that wouldn't mean even they're going to church the beauty of the mission is that God recruits a bunch of people who are broken and those who are broken are they going to be the ones the tools of healing the instruments of, of, of redemption and the wonder of grace it's not just what grace does, right? I mean, I thank God for his grace because I don't deserve to be here, you know? Like, like Ignatius said, uh, you know, he's worthy. I'm not worthy, you know? And that's all because of his grace. 
But the wonder and the beauty of grace is not just what grace, I mean, if we would just, if we could just get a glimpse of what grace is, we would have come and, I mean, we would just get on our knees. But the beauty of it is that it doesn't stop there. The beauty of grace is whom grace employs to do its work. And God, it's here in this passage that says, you know what, I'm going to use these people outside of the religious circle who are broken who've gone through some misery to minister to people and so Jesus did not come to make my life work he came to offer me irresistible grace everybody say grace he came to give me that irresistible grace but not just that he came to recruit me for his mission a couple more verses and we're done in fact, worship team, you guys get on, get on stage. We're going to wrap this up. Now, watch what happens with this man, the guy that had leprosy, the outcast, okay? This is the guy that everyone rejected. Look in verse 45. It says, but the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. Now, I'm skipping a little bit because of time, but... Jesus heals him and he tells the guy, hey, listen, I, want you, I don't want you to tell anybody, which is kind of weird because you thought Jesus would be telling people, hey, tell everybody, right? I'm preaching the gospel. I'm preaching the good news. This is a good thing. Like you've never heard anybody say, don't tell anyone, right? Like it would be like me saying, hey, today when we're done with the service, go, you know, the invite cards that are on your chair, like do not give those to anybody. Keep those to yourself, okay? You're like, okay, I think he got mixed up. Like that was a wrong message right there. Well, Jesus tells this guy that. That's the message. Listen. I don't know his name, but he says, listen. Don't tell anybody. Do not go and tell a single soul. Instead, go to the priest and tell him that you're healed. Tell him that you don't have leprosy anymore. Now, any other year, we wouldn't have gotten it. But 2020, it's been a special year. So we understand very well what's going on here. Because... Uh, like somebody I won't say names but they were within close proximity of somebody that had COVID their workplace said hey don't come back make sure that you go and you're tested make sure that you're if you're negative you're good you're clear and then you can come back okay that's the way that it worked in the Old Testament as well if you had leprosy you would essentially go if you were healed you would go to the priest and the priest would say you're clear you're good you can go back into society you can go back into the community all right so jesus is not breaking the law a lot of people say oh we don't use the old testament anymore no 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 law so jesus is basically going along with the old testament law and says you need to go to the priest make sure he has you know check you out make sure you're good and then you can go about whatever all right this guy he had been marked by grace so much so now i know the churchy answer right i know the churchy answer is like he should have obeyed jesus jesus told him to go straight to the priest he didn't do that he went and told everybody else about jesus you know how dare him disobey jesus this guy had been marked and we're not talking about church here we're not talking about checking off the box and yep i showed up this guy had been marked eternally marked by his grace by god's grace he says, I cannot contain myself. And he forgets the priest. He says, forget that. I'm going to tell everybody who this Jesus is. 
And I'm going to tell them about this irresistible, this grace that is so powerful. I just cannot contain it. Watch what happens next. Verse 45, second part. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus. He couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. There were whole towns that were shutting down. They were coming from miles away to experience grace. Nothing like this had ever happened before. Large, because of this man, large crowds. He couldn't even enter. Like, in fact, it says he had to stay outside in secluded places. He had to be outside of the community because they were coming after him. Another part of the gospel, it says that he had to get on a boat. Like, literally, when he had to preach, he had to get on a boat to preach because the crowd would get so close to him that essentially they would move all the way up to this is your biggest concert, okay? They would get so close to him that like he literally had to jump on the boat and preach from the boat, which I love boats, so I'm, hopefully one of these days I'll get to do that. <laughs> Sorry, random, random thought. <laughs> Let's get back. And people, so he had to stay out in secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him why I mean if you I mean that's this just doesn't make sense why would they join the movement when we see what happened to John to the rest of his disciples why because he didn't come to make my life work he came to offer me irresistible grace he came to recruit me to his mission he came for something so much greater so much greater than my, where my little mind is at. I'll leave you with this. You and I, we were not created to be containers of grace. Let me say that again. You were not created to be a container of grace. If you've received God's love and His forgiveness... You were not created to store it. It's kind of, Pastor Nicholas, could you give me that, please? Thank you so much, buddy. It's kind of like this. So, this watering can um, can store some, some water, right? And your life and my life is similar to this container, this watering can. Um, if all you use it is just to store water, like nobody does that, right? Like nobody just pours water in here and then just puts it aside. Yep, I'm just, that's where I store my water. Woohoo! Right? Like nobody puts water in here, just put it in the refrigerator. This is how we get our water, you know? Right? If that's all you use it for, then it's, it's not being used to its greatest potential. Right? This, this was used... Yeah, you put water, it contains it, but it was used to bless other things. And I got some towels down, so if you're watching from home, don't worry, we're, we're good. But it was used to, you pour the water, and then you, what do you do? You bless. You 
water your garden or water your, your plants, if all you do is you just put the water in there and then you just set it aside, then, then you wasted your money. You can do that with any container. This thing was created so that water would flow out of it. And the more that it flows out of it, the more that it will bless other things. And so in the same way, your life, you know, I get it, I get it. I deal sometimes with depression, and it's hard. I, I deal with anxiety sometimes, and, you know, and I have to do a few exercises, and I have to do a few things to get, in, get myself in the right place. I, I deal with the financial issues that you guys deal with. I mean, like, I'm a human being. Like, like, like you see me up here, and it's like, this is a pastor. You know, people put pastors in pedestals. Look, we all deal with the same stress, the same health issues, the same, all of the junk. But I promise you, if you can get a hold of this message, and you can, in your mind, know, like, God, my life, you didn't come for things to work out in my life. If you get a hold of that, it will change everything. And so the grace that God's given you is just to be poured out and just, just to go into the community and share the love of Christ. And so here's, here's my challenge. We've had an interesting year. Here's my challenge. October... As a church, we're going to we're going to love our community. We're going to let grace, that irresistible grace that Mark is writing about, we're going to let it flow through us. And we're going to be very intentional about it. And Don't come to church. I'm asking you to be in the community. If you skip church, but you allow grace to flow out of you, I think that would be a win. And so if it's either or, if it's you're going to serve the community or you're going to show up to church, if you have to check the box, I'd say go to the community and watch what happens and watch how the anxiety goes away and the depression goes away and all of a sudden the financial issues are not there anymore and all of a sudden your mind and heart just radically changes you now I don't want you to do it selfishly because then the, the motives is in the wrong place I want you to do it because you know that his grace is greater than any mess that you'll deal with. So here's the, here's a challenge. I'm going to wrap it up. Pull out your phones. Just real quick, do this. I'm going to do it. Can we put that slide? There you go. The month of October, we're going to, we're going to, it's what we call the church has left the building initiative. Okay? The church has left the building initiative. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to sign up. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just asking you to, if you're at all interested, I'm asking you to text the word LIFE to this number. That's our landline. That's our, that's our church number, okay? Just, I'm going to do it right now, so give you time to do it. So go to your text, and then just type 903, 903-592-1111. 903-592-1111.
A357. And then just type the word life and send it. Here's what will happen. You'll get a text saying thank you, another text giving you a link. That link will show you sometime later this afternoon, this week, you'll have different opportunities. In the month of October, let's be the church. Let's be a part of a movement that cares more about being in the community than about checking off the box and you know, being in church. Does that make sense? Father God, I trust that your people will be not containers of grace, but dispensers of it. And God, I ask that you would use us in a radical way. I, would, I, I ask that people all over our community, here in East Texas, that there will be a church, the church of Christ, who will, do, who will be the hands and feet. God, we worship you. We talked about that in the last series. Worship is our response to what matters most. Not just words, but actions. And so God, this is a very tangible way for us to be in the community. You guys, look this way real quick. Look this way real quick. We are on that list that if you, if you type the number, you'll get a link. On that list, there's a, an older man who... Um, um, I don't know about his mental health, but he needs some yard work. Okay, I like we need like ten to fifteen people to help him. Okay, it's that it's pretty bad. We're just gonna go love him. Okay, and then you'll see all that. Some of the dates say to be determined because we, we're still trying to uh, you know kind of figure out dates. But we're we're going into the community. There's a couple of schools we've adopted. We're gonna love those teachers. About 140 of them. Just gonna write them thank you thank you notes. There is. Um, where Marcus works, the TV station, we're going to feed them. We're going to love on them. There's several opportunities, okay? Uh, nurseries, I mean, there's, you, you, can, you can look at the whole list. Let's pray. Father God, I just asked that we would consider for a moment really what it means to be a Jesus follower. Not just in words, but in action. Would you move in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.